0: Everybody
1: wants
2: to work. sure. Everybody's got the, the Life of Brian... no, 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 Take one. Hello, Brian. It's Kevin Hillier calling. How are you?
3: I'm very well, thank you, Kevin Hillier. It's nice to be here on Brian dot dot, dot, dot. life of etc. Yeah. Dot Lovely. Dot com. Lovely. Yes. How are you, Mr. Mannix? Well, I'm, I'm 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 okay. I've um I've I've got up early this morning to watch um a Donald Trump rally live. Oh God, he's funny. He's hilarious. And also so is Joe Biden. He's hilarious too. But Ugh. um Different kind of humour that was both of them, but uh, that was fun, and I'm um, looking forward to watching the footy. The Savo, life's okay, you know,
2: for uh, lockdown. Yep, lockdown number whatever it is. I, I'm I'm the other way. I'm just cranky. I'm just cranky with the world. I just well, I, and and no one's done anything to upset me. No one's looked at me the wrong way. No one's parked in my, no? across my driveway or uh, done any of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just bloody cranky. You might have a build up. Don't you dare. No, no, you might have a
3: build-up of cranky juice and you've got to get that stuff out of you, otherwise it poisons your mind.
2: And um, Maybe it's the second COVID jab I had. Since I had that, I've been Ah, uh, it could Is be. Is that a though. side effect? Um, well, I know a lot of people
3: have been sick after the second jab. No, I didn't um, have any reaction to either of them, to be honest, oh, fortunately. Okay. Well, that um, means you've probably got a high immune system.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I'm allergic to you. <laughs> no. Well,
3: that's, that's common <laughs> sense. That's, uh, you know, that's fair enough. No problem.
2: Common sense. Yeah. That's your theme that's at the moment, my, isn't That's it? my
3: party. I'm thinking of running for the Senate and I'm going to have the common sense party. And um, my first policy oh, will be go. that it's an absolute disgrace that in Australia it costs more to be a woman than it does to be a man. So that's one of my main platforms. Is this platforms. the tampon thing? The tampon thing. But also, right. yes, you build the tampon factories and if you've been on the dole for 12 weeks, you go and work two days a week in the tampon factory. But also I've expanded this, not just the tampons, so the girls can get free tampons. But I'm also going to make in my tampon factory, I'm going to make nappies for babies and for elderly people that are incontinent, I'm going to make them and that's all going to be for free because I'm paying these people to be on the doll anyway. I may as well get something out of it and then we can make a more even platform for everybody. So, you know, if you're an old pensioner and you've got to buy incontinence pants, you don't have a lot of money, so we make them for them. We make the tampons thing and I'll legalise marijuana. That's going to happen. And I'm still working on some other policies.
2: What's the name of the party again?
3: The Common Sense Party. Right. So, you know, if you kick a copper in the face, you go to jail not like what is happening now. You can kick mm-hmm. a copper in the face and you get bail. It's,
2: you know, and you don't let, you so know, there's any... If, there's supply, slogan. So if I was your campaign manager, there's yes. the slogan straight away, jail, right. not bail. Jail, not bail. That's
3: that's another one of my platforms, yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. And I think, you know, any situation, pick a situation, Kev, mm-hmm. and ask me what I'm going to do about it. And I haven't even... I, this is unrehearsed, so just pick anything.
2: Okay. Um... Uh, uh. Well, how do you feel about people on unemployment benefits and stuff? Well, I think that we've... We, well, there's
3: a lot of people that have to be on unemployment benefits because yeah. we don't have manufacturing anymore. No, we don't have enough jobs for everybody. So I think... And that's really sad because if you don't have a job, you don't feel... Worthwhile, I think that's why a lot of people are getting depressed at the moment because they don't have a purpose in life because they can't go to work and that sort of thing. Yep. So I think you've got to help people feel useful about themselves and there's always going to be some kind of unemployment. Um, I think, you know, so we're going to maybe up the money for the unemployed and we're going to up the money for the pensioners because they're doing it really hard. Yep. So... You know, unemployment is something you're never going to get rid of, but hopefully we could minimize it by, or at least make the people unemployed feel somewhat useful about themselves. Like, you know, you go and work two days in the tampon factory and go, gee, I made 300 tampons yesterday. So I feel pretty good about that.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's common talk- sense to everything. All right. Well, let's uh, let's have a talk about uh, our guest today, uh, oh. and a couple of beauties we got coming up. Thanks to Mercott's Driving Excellence, one 576 That's their number. Uh, and today it's part two of Michael Chug uh, the esteemed icon of the music industry. Man who's brought just about everybody you can possibly think of uh, to this country, uh, of, of touring, uh, and uh, has a lot to He's say. He's bringing it. illegal immigrants into our country. <laughs> That's why I wanted to build the wall. <laughs> well, we're going to do about some of those uh, Fleetwood Mac. Do they fall into that category? Um, totally illegal. They run drugs. They're Gun, drug addicts. Guns and Roses and uh, the uh, the infamous speaking of <laughs> drugs. Here's Guns and Roses. <laughs> the infamous uh, now iconic moment that uh, that. That Chuggy's well known for with Guns and Roses. He'll talk about uh, the late Michael Godinsky, of course. Uh, touring Bobby Dillon, managing, uh, Bob Dylan, managing Richard he's He <laughs> smokes marijuana. I knew it. <laughs> um, I predicted for. this, <laughs> um, and he's going to do his um, his definition and what his opinion is. Of one Brian Mannix I don't think I want to hear that one Kev <laughs> It'll no probably way. be the greatest
3: description of all kind, <laughs> all time The greatest description in American history, probably the
2: world It's unbelievable <laughs> it's, it's pretty close let me tell you And our <laughs> other guest is uh, Mark Gable who of course is the man, uh, the, the front man for the choir boys Yes
3: and very good on the video games
2: He's, he's, just a, he's a terrific character, Mark Gable, uh, has a lot of great stories and you'll hear a whole stack of those coming up. And uh, I just want to warn people, uh, just have a notebook handy because yes. when Brian and Mark uh, sort of <laughs> came into the same stratosphere together, uh, it, was like, uh, it was like that moment, I'm sure, if someone had been a fly on the wall when Lennon and McCartney had got together. Well, we, we practically wrote a, a song during the interview. Well, well, it was it was like a Leonard McCartney moment for me because you know you you with your your teasers and your pleasers and him with his road and his toad. I you know I I quite frankly I I had chills up my spine. It was
3: more like a Buddy Good meets Kevin Bloody Wilson moment, <laughs> I think. But, um
2: yeah, it was. <laughs> it very much was like that. Uh, well, so nonetheless, it's up, a mate. very funny interview. Yes, it is. And that's coming up a little later on with Mark Well, Now let's get into the man uh, of the moment, uh, and, of course, he's a terrific uh, character of the uh, music industry, the one and only Michael Chuck.
4: What about the Fleetwood Mac backstage with the, um, the Banquet? I think your book starts off with um, that, doesn't it? Were you well, you're sitting back Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had to build this fucking medieval marquee, and inside you had a medieval table about 30, 40 foot long, and king and queen chairs, and all that shit, and uh, whole pigs, and roast lamb, and fucking everything you could think of. And they never even went in there. Uh for instance, the Heineken top bottles, Is that right? Yeah, well, that was another story. Where we, we had to import Heineken, you know, back in, this is like 76 or something. We had to import Gatorade from America. At the end of the night, the roadies would go in and have a fucking feast. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the roadies and I built these road cases where we could put bottles, and I was still drinking French champagne about 10 years later. <laughs> oh, and with the Heineken, we were in Sydney, the first show, and uh, I walked into the dressing room to check everything that was right. And there were all the Heineken bottles out any tops. And I went nuclear. What the fuck is going on here? What? Anyway, the tour direct took me up on stage, and they had two little marquees, with two little tents either side of the stage, which had plates in them with the bottle tops on top of each other. Right. And he used to the top off one, and I went, oh, okay, but why couldn't you have just asked me to buy you a gross of fucking bottle tops? <laughs> Who <laughs> <laughs> was the most expensive for their backstage walk? That was. Never right. seen anything like that in my life. Guns and Roses, what a day want? So over the top. I was lucky that we we toured Guns N' Roses in the early days, and then we bought them back for those huge shows. And Axel, who didn't like promoters, Axel and I got on very well. So I never really had a problem with them, but they were a bit over the top. You know, we still hold the record in Sydney, in Australia, for the biggest ever one day outdoor show, which was 77,000 at Eastern Creek. Wow. Wow. So everybody was predicting death and doom and destruction. It's probably. The first time, we've done it many times now, but the first time we ever sat down with the local council, the local police, the local health departments and all the community organisations in advance and planned the whole show. So, you know, all the papers are predicting death and destruction and then next day, the Sydney Morning Herald, the Sunday Herald called it a boring day. Wow.
1: Really?
2: Yeah,
4: yeah. Oh, Jesus. Well, nobody got killed, did they? Yeah. yeah, right.
2: yeah exactly. And, and in Guns N' Roses is the famous, hey, you in the black T-shirt moment, isn't it? Stop running.
4: It was a really, really hot day and uh, the head of security at the front gate got me on the walkie-talkie. He said, get ready. The gates are about to open. You couldn't see the gates. They were over the rise of the hill. So all of a sudden, you've got 15,000, 20,000 kids all in black T-shirts Screaming up over the hill, and I got on the microphone and said, Hey, you in the black t shirt, stop fucking running. <laughs> and that was where all that was born. <laughs> just, so everybody stopped running because everybody <laughs> did a black t shirt <laughs> 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 and, and looked at all looked at each other and laughed and just settled everything down.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> so
4: when you're over in America, like, and you're saying, Okay, oh, I'm to you're Billy Joel to come out to Australia. or well, well, what, what's the process there? Do you go and speak to their agent or their manager and do they have to like you or do you have to put money up front and all that sort of stuff? Well, it depends who the agent was. It depended what your relationships were. You'd right. normally pay a fairly hefty deposit, fifty percent right. or something. Um, we had a lot of relationships and uh, where, you know, you do that first tour and you come there and it. Like for years... Yudinsuke and I were the only ones who did Bon Jovi, probably the first seven or eight tours. Right. Uh, it's the same with Billy Joel and, you know, the police and the Sting. We were still doing their tours like in the early 2000s. Right. So it's, it's like a relationship, your agent. Yeah. So so yeah, yeah. When I first brought Robbie Williams out in 2000, he was a monster in England and Europe. They weren't playing his records here. And we, we did all right. We sold one and a half tennis centres and one and a half Sydney's, sold out Perth Entertainment Centre. And then after that tour, uh, they started playing his records here. And the next time we toured him, we were selling out three cricket grounds. And his last tour a couple of years ago was very strong. Yeah, he's a great entertainer. Uh-huh. That's what it became in the end. People kept coming and kept coming because – he is an incredible entertainer. Yeah, yeah. I like the fact that he just suddenly say, be playing all these pop stuff, and suddenly feel like singing something stupid or um, a, a, a Frank Sinatra song. And he just says, oh, "I'm going to do this now," and he does, and it works. Yeah, really, did, really well. We did one tour based on that album that he did with all those Sinatra yeah. songs and all that, and the tour was very, very strong. I mean, yeah. But now he, you know, now he he puts it into the whole show is a mixture of everything. I mean he'll be back here in twenty three and I think it'll be huge. Yeah. Acts get to a certain point, Brian, where they uh, they get past that position of having to have hits. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: Like Billy Joel, Elton, John, John um, Stone, yeah, Stone, uh, Rob Stewart. Yeah. And all you gotta do is be careful they don't come back too often. Yeah. You know, we, we did a Dolly Parton tour a few years ago. She hadn't been here for 25 years. It was very, very successful. Live Nation, I didn't even make an offer for the second tour. It was two years later. I went, you're crazy. This will be a disaster. And Live Nation picked it up and lost about $5 million. Ooh. Wow. You know, and, and the manager, he
2: rang me and he said, you were right. You know, you've got to be very careful. Chucky do you get to be mates with them? does that is that part of what happens uh, when you tour someone like Billy Joel for a long time or you do the Elton John tour do you get to be mates with them or yeah, that- it's like michael
4: Michael G and and Bruce Springsteen I mean incredible relationship and you know we're all mates we're all been mates with sting and you know sort of the thing that we always did was be seen and not heard. And uh, eventually, you know, they would really, they would really get off on that sort of stuff, and then you become friends. Yeah, you're not hassling them. You just yeah, you leave them alone. Yeah, and you make sure they get everything they need and everything to minimum as fast. You, you give them a, a platform and a situation where they can do their own thing if they want to involve you and be part of their whole enterprise and. Uh, participate in the the backstage pre-show rights they go through. They'll invite you into the circle. Oh, cool!
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got to ask you about Kudinsky and 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 his passing and how that how that's affected you since since then.
4: Well, it's very sad. I mean, I look at, I think about him every day. Um, you know, we we've always been. Friends. Even when I started Chug Entertainment and left here uh, in two ninety 2000, I mean, we were still friends. And then, uh, you know, we'd always, we'd talk about different things, if you wanted advice or vice versa, we'd talk to each other. And uh, about three, four years ago, you know, we'd meet overseas, Tim and Sue, we'd have dinner here and there. and we'd and we started talking about, you know, the future and we're all getting old. What legacies are we going to leave? And so, you know, we, in two eighteen we decided we'd get back together and do a JV, which is still going on with Chug and Frontier, where, you know, and we became really, really close. And of course, during COVID, what Michael did for the Australian industry, the music, Australian music, was fucking unbelievable. I mean, that first music from the home front, he underwrote that himself. Michael, during COVID, Michael poured so much money into Australian music. The sound show on the ABC, all the streaming events. I mean, it was incredible what he did for Australian music. And when Frank Stavala rang me and and told me Michael had died, I had to get him to repeat it. Twice. Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. He seemed pretty indestructible, didn't he? Oh, yeah. We were talking nine o'clock the night before about a couple of things. We were about to um, try and get fixed up within the Australian industry. And then the next day, he's passed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the mushroom group, the mushroom family are, are incredible. Things are rolling along and everybody's doing their thing and, but what he did for us on, you know, and the the money he put into Australian music during COVID and helped all the crews out, it was incredible.
1: Yeah.
4: Yep. The only thing he did, which I wasn't too happy about, was he got some money off, I think, Dan Andrews to put on some shows in Victoria. Yeah. And, he got, and he got Barnsley to come down. And I thought, nah, he's New South Wales. He's already done New South Wales. <laughs> he's in a Victoria now. He's a on that. Yeah, know, I thought we yeah, well, got a, we'd yeah, well, you know, and Victoria in there, but anyway, didn't matter. Barnes' is very popular and it went very well. So what the heck? Yeah, no, I can dig it. Uh, is there anybody you'd like to bring out that you haven't? Oh, the Beatles! Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. Have you brought McCartney out? No, Michael. Michael did that. Right. What about Ringo? Oh, I, Ringo won't pull audiences. Oh, no. Oh, that's a shame. I mean, he's a bit of a lightweight when it comes to that. It didn't, the Ringo Starr all-band thing, it didn't, uh, all-star band, didn't really work here. Oh, that's a pity. I'd love to see Ringo, but, you know, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, Yeah. No, I he looked at it a couple of times, but they always wanted far too much money. Right. Who was one of the best value bands you got? You know, you probably got them, like Ken at the Beatles, got them before they,
1: oh, they came know.
4: real big. Look, in the, in the late 70s, uh, it all changed where the band started taking percentages of the profits. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, when I was working with Paul Gainty, I mean, he was buying the acts flat and he was making so much money. You know, that all changed. Right. Most acts were coming in in the 80s, 85% of the profit. Guaranteed versus 85% of the profit. These days, the really right. big acts are getting... 95 percent of the profit. Wow. So the margins are pretty you know, you've got to be very careful. Yeah. That's where it's says
2: so yeah. who's on who's on your turntable or C D player or or Spotify list at home that you're listening to these days, Chuggy?
4: Oh, I've been listening to Richard Captain's cover album. It's a
2: good album, isn't it? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a good album.
4: I play a bit of Bob Dylan. I mean I've toured him so many times. I'm sure he'll we'll get one more tour in within What's Bob like? He'd be difficult, wouldn't he? Yeah, you know, he's, you know Bob's cool. One yeah. tour, he'll grunt at you. The next tour, he'll have half an hour conversations with you. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's kind of what I thought.
2: Yeah, I want to ask you about Richard Clapton because you managed him for a while. So uh, where his career sort of gone since, since the days when you managed him?
4: Well, I managed him in the 70s during Goodbye Tiger and yeah. all that and and it was incredible times, and I started managing him again when The Great Escape came out. Oh, okay. Uh, with Iron Island and all that stuff. I, re- I managed him twice. There was a story um, going, doing the rounds about four weeks ago where he was. He said, you know, he was at the Bondo Lifesaver one night, and he was copping a bit of shit from the audience, and I was on the side of the stage, and... I kept saying to him, tell him to get fucked. Yeah. So eventually he told him to get fucked. And in this story he writes, he said, that night I worked out how to be an entertainer. <laughs> said, Chuggy taught me, told him to get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him to get fucked and they went crazy. I Thor- learned that off Thorpey. <laughs> yeah. well, Thorpey, he uh. did that, he had to finish that album for you and Amanda, I think. Amanda and Mark Pope and I finished that album, Tangier, yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting album. It's a great album. It hasn't had the, it didn't get the the attention it should have and you know, it's been ten years now. We're actually talking about getting the album rights back off Sony and doing something special with it. Yeah. Great album Tangier. I was there with him in Tangier when he started writing it. He went down the market and heard the local bands or something. Is that what, how it started? Oh, he did all that. He played one night. He was mates with uh, Moroccan consul to America who he'd met. And when we were in Tangier, when we were in Morocco in Fez, I think it was, in the capital, it was Lynn's birthday. So his mate, the consul, was there and he threw a big party for Lynn, a surprise party. And that night, Billy played with the Moroccan orchestra. Ah. Yes. And that's where it all began. Right. So how much of the album had he finished before, before he passed? Oh, he pretty much finished it all. It wasn't, the remixes weren't done. Uh, it wasn't mixed yet. A uh, couple of tracks had to be finished. We, there was no artwork. There was no videos. I mean, we had to do all that, and we put all that together ourselves. We did a deal with Sony, but...
2: Unfortunately, they didn't give it the attention to the earth. Billy used to play really loud. Is it right that he killed a yes. tank full of fish at some gig? Some, uh, one- yeah, yeah. That, that's another one. I oh. story. Uh, we played there one night
4: and there was this tank of beautiful, magnificent, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of oriental fish and, you know, all that stuff. And the next day when the cleaner came in, they were all floating on the top. They'd all died. It was It was uh, one of the, oh, there's the long way to the top television series. I I was coming back from America and uh, I was at the customs desk getting clearing to come through and the customs guy said to me, oh, that was great. On Monday night, he said, "Uh, Billy killed the fish. (laughs)
1: <laughs> what the
4: fuck's he talking
1: about?
4: <laughs> anyway, in the next two days, I kept getting stopped in the street and everywhere because obviously, and people would say to me, oh, I love that Billy talk on a long way to the top. That motivated, I mean, I couldn't believe how big that series was. And Billy and Amanda drove me crazy for probably six months. We got two of this. We got a tour of this. And it's like, you know what it was like in those days, once you were a big star and you went backwards, you were finished, right? Yeah and so there was a major worry if anybody would come out to see those shows. and of course we ended up doing ten Melbournes and nine Sydneys and three or four Brisbane's and a couple of Perth, a couple of Adelaides played the quarter of a million people and that oh. that long way of to the top tour put a whole lot of people's careers back on track, yeah. And all of a sudden, it was no longer uncool to be an old artist. I mean, you know yourself back, you know, you had a moment when you were the biggest band in the country. But yeah, as soon right. as another band came along, you were fucking dead and buried. Yeah, we're, we're old news. and Yeah, well, had a, that's all changed now. Yeah. Billy Thorpe, when Billy Thorpe came home to live in this country, he had a big, big, big part in changing all that. Yeah. Well, he's, he's so well-loved. and The 60s, Billy Thorpe and the o you know, when he's singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Because I sort of joined in on Billy Thorpe, you know, around the Sunbury times. Yeah. He's singing bebop a and stuff. And then, you know, you think, oh, he's a rocker. And that's great. But then you listen to him sing Somewhere Over the Rainbow and he's got the most amazing voice. and really, really, he was a really great oh, singer. Yeah, no, that's when I fell in love. I, I was... Uh growing up in Launceston and, you know, used to watch uh, a few TV shows. And I fell in love with Thorpey. I I saw one of the first concerts I ever saw in Launceston was Billy Thorpe, though, supporting special guests on the Screaming Lord Such tour. Oh, my God. They blew my mind. And uh, he came back a few months later and I was lucky enough somehow to get up onto the same floor they were staying on in the hotel and – you know, That's when I first really met him, and it was the beginning of a long, long relationship, really. I remember back in the 70s, there was a real big deal at the, how loud a band was. Oh. And, I, and I believe at the time, Deep Purple was supposedly the loudest band in the world. Yeah. And they came, and they came out to Sunbury, and my brother reckons that Thorpey had grabbed every freaking amp he could lay his hands <laughs> on. <laughs> wired them all together and thought he was twice as loud as Deep Purple. I didn't see that show, but I saw Deep Purple at the Orton Pavilion one night and I've got to say they were the loudest fucking band in the world. Nobody really gave a quali- cared about the quality <laughs> of the sound back. It, it, it's really, really loud. Being the loudest band was a really good thing to have and I don't think anybody talks about that
2: anymore. No, right? no, no. Hey, Chucky, I like wanted want to mention your charity work too before we before we sort of finish up. You've done an okay. enormous amount for a lot of charities over the years. Um, how, how do you sort of feel about that, looking looking at what you've done? Well, you know,
4: um, I first got involved. There was a big lunch here. In, well, it wasn't a big lunch when I first got involved in Sydney. It used to be in the downstairs ballroom at the Seville called the Golden stay which a couple of industry people, an English guy called Chris Gilby, and a couple of English guys and another guy called Peter Ebbs. You know, there was a big. there's a big lunch in London called the Treble Cleft, which still goes on today as the Golden Stave goes. And they decided to start a lunch here called the Golden Stave. So, so I went to the first ones and eventually I got involved on the committee. It was all about raising money for children's charities. There was a... Um, an organisation out of Brisbane called the Shepherd Centre and we started giving them money and they were the people who invented and started the clock ear thing, you know, the, the, the hearing for young people. Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. We put a lot of money into that. One year in the late 90s, we raised $1 million in one day. Wow. Wow. It was an incredible, I ended up becoming a trustee and all that and I retired from that a few years ago. I was, it's, I think it's up to about 40 years now.
1: Jeez. Wow.
4: But that's raised millions over the years. Obviously, you know, we always ran charity concerts. We just helped where we could. Yeah. I, I heard that you um, endeared yourself to the people at the Golden Star lunch the first time because you supplied all of the food that was left over from Fleetwood Mac Ryder. Is that right? <laughs> 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 I love you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, a few years ago we started Support Act, which yeah. has now become a very, very powerful industry um, charity, helping out crews and bands in trouble and, and people in trouble in the industry. And I mean, in the last year they've given away several millions of dollars to people who have been having a tough time. Yeah, so you yeah. know, I was a board member of, of that, and I retired from that a couple of years ago. But I'm still, I still keep a good close eye on it, and uh, it's fun to do all that. Listen, it's all about giving back. Yep, yep. It's all about karma,
1: you know.
2: Yep. Yeah, Chuggy, if you had to yeah. sum up Brian Mannix uh, the, and your your dealings <laughs> with Brian Mannix, what 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 would come into your mind uh, thinking of uh, uh, the elite yeah. singer of the Uncanny X Men?
1: Arsehole survivor.
4: <laughs> arsehole but a survivor. <laughs> well, I'm a surviving arsehole. That'll be <laughs> I'm <definitely, laughs> yeah, no, a real me. survivor and, you know, well, hang in there. It's all about the Australian music and the way yeah. you're doing these these podcasts. It's great. Yeah. No thoughts as we're no. no, I'm 74 this year. I mean, I'm having, you know, I've got young bands breaking all over the world. We've got this young girl we found on TikTok, Mia Rodriguez. We just signed a worldwide deal with Atlantic in New York. So, you know, I've got the hottest country act in the country, Casey Barnes. Yep. He's just had his fourth number one single, his country album's now, been except for Slim Dusty, his last album has been in the charts now for 60 weeks. It's just exciting. Yeah. You know, I don't see do any point in retiring, you know. No, no what, what are you going to do? Stay at home and die? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, you you know, can you go do that working. <laughs> yeah, you can't stay at home and
2: die. <laughs> there's, there's a motto for this country, don't stay home and die, die working. So I work at it, home. Right. Yeah, at a home. Year from home, <laughs> exactly. Well, you don't have much choice anymore, do you? No, you don't. No. no, you don't. Mate, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. It's been lovely having a chat. No, no guys.
4: Lovely to talk to you. Good on you, mate. All right, mate.
2: Take bye care bye. of yourself. Bye. Bye. See you. Yes, okay. Bye bye.
5: of living five stars where you stay You're making a stand but not standing up yet You're strong and know of course you're a darling You're smart and you're well-read You fight for what you think's right but only make a difference in your head You need a break from your addiction Don't be plugged in until you're dead You're making a stand but not standing up You have no plans to make plans. You have no plans that don't directly affect you.
1: You have no plans to make
5: plans. You have no plans that don't directly affect you. You can hold on to your good life, feel better about yourself. You dwell upon frustrations, but all you say is that we need to help. You need a break, but you're not broken. It's like a band-aid when you help. You making a stand, but not standing up yet. Paint pictures of perfect people to mold a figure you've conjured up. Strut around with such conviction, despite what you think haven't yet done enough. Somewhere alone. make
2: That is uh, Lime Cordial, one of the bands that uh, that uh, Michael has signed and is uh, very upbeat about, and uh, that is a song called No Plans to Make Plans from their album 14 Steps to a Better You. No
3: plans to make plans. That's uh, probably written during COVID, I'd imagine.
2: <laughs> yeah, So, a good band, really good band, and uh, one of the exciting new bands rolling around the place is uh, Lime Cordial. So, well done to them, and well done, to Chuggy. It was terrific to have him on uh, on the podcast. Really good to have He's a- a- him. Oh, he? yeah. He's very entertaining, isn't he? sad thing is now, you know, if he did that Guns and Roses minute now, it'd be Hey You and the Black Mask, stop <laughs> running. <laughs>
0: It would be. Well, it would be
2: Now, yeah. uh, I want to remind everyone about Mercot's driving excellence one 555 576 That's their number uh, They'll uh, look after you make sure that you're A more capable driver behind the wheel They're not going to turn you into Sterling Moss Or Ayrton Center or, uh, you know uh, What's his name? Lewis Hamilton
3: one 555 576 How about that? <laughs> I-, I remembered Nine digits <laughs> <laughs> You did very well I uh, did well, better than Joe Biden. He wouldn't have got past 1300. Uh, 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 Sleepy Joe. <laughs> I just thought of another good policy for me. Right. Lower beer tax. Lower the tax on beer a little bit. Everybody get a pot a little bit cheaper. That is, that's a vote winner.
2: Oh, yeah, of course it is. Yeah? <laughs> you've, legalised, take... you've legalised marijuana and you've got uh, tax on beer down. And yeah. I've got the free tampons and the nappies. <laughs> this so... is going terrifically well. Oh, it... You know, only halfway through the day. My God, he's a man of the people, isn't he?
3: Um... I am a man of the people. <laughs> I'm um... going to make Australia oh.
2: grouse again. Oh, you're, you're terrific.
3: No, we um... haven't been grouse for a while. no. You know, we've got a few good crumbs in that. in power. Is it crumb? Isn't that a good word?
2: Now let's get to our next guest. It's Mark Cable, okay. the uh, the lead man of the Choir, choir Boys, Boys terrific Kev, Choir band. Boys, really good, a really good live band, terrific, live very band. good live band. Uh, so let's uh, let's track him down. And uh, of course, funny thing about this is we go to his house, but he's been to your house, Brian. I've
4: been down to Brian's place. It's a mansion. Just like a lot of those guys down in Melbourne, you know, those big guys, you know, like, you know, the Frank Stivales all have big mansions, just like Brian's. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you might not know this, but Mark's got a castle that he's actually cat- renovated, <laughs> renovated, complete with a moat full of crocodiles. Just to keep the fans out and the missus in. But it is luck you. It looks like that one in Disneyland. Absolutely beautiful. beautiful. This is is true. There's only one that your information is incorrect. and that it's to keep the fans in and the wife out. (laughs) Oh, my my mistake. My
1: mistake.
4: Thank (laughs) you. So are you recording or writing any songs or what are you doing? Yeah, well, you know, I'm trying to get back into writing, you know, and it's just that you said I outfitted the, you know, during COVID last year, I outfitted the studio that we built out the back specifically for streaming. And uh, might I say, when you start a little bit like that, nobody knows anything about it, so you start learning. But the only people that knew about streaming were the evangelist churches in America, <laughs> um, and they've been doing it for decades, right? Yeah. And so well, I got all the information off them. All right, and I go, all oh, right, I don't I'd only do this and this and this. And then, of course, Pete Drummond, who's Dragon's drummer, who now lives in Melbourne, um, he was great. We teamed up together and he showed me a lot of stuff about it. In the meantime, to answer your question, and I, I will let you get back to that, to answer the question is that what have I been doing? So I've been trying to get back into songwriting. And, yeah. and that's really hard because the um, only song that I've, Really got a title for is oh. a few cunts, right? And I, <laughs> right. I don't know. And I'm just seeing the stuff come out, right? Yeah, um, right. And I, I'm not analysing it. I'm not going, yeah, it's got to be a hit or anything like that. So, none, you know, none. so there you go. We were talking to Steve Kilby the other day. Yeah. He just he just writes prolifically and doesn't think too much about it. Whatever it comes in, he said, he goes, yep, and then he works with that. And he's been a. Um, a teacher for me in terms of just letting the stuff flow, you know. And he said, "Don't think about it too much." So, um, and we all do that. We all go. I remember, you know, Uncanny X Men. You used to think a lot about your stuff, and you go. <laughs> we, you remember when you went through the Pink Floyd period, right? <laughs> oh, that was well. A manager wanted us to do that. We he had, had yeah. half a truck of acid, so he wanted to get rid of that. So he said, "Pink Floyd time, boys," and away <laughs> we went. Yeah, I mean, so, and, and off you went. Whatever Pink Floyd time is, like, you'd have to talk to a drummer. Um, but <laughs> right, to, to be honest with you, and I haven't really written songs for over 10 years, so I'm going, how do you do this? This is really weird. Wow. Time, you sit down and you go, me mama, here she comes, she's walking along the road. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I'm not thinking too much about this, but I know I've got a brain like a toad. You That's know? not oh, you bad. Go I just came out with that. So does that mean that it's bad? I reckon you prepared that with one you prepared earlier. You, <laughs> can't, you, know, you can't just come out with gems like that off the top of your head, Sure. <laughs> <laughs> the problem is that if I had it back in the day, you know, people would have gone, I really like that choir boy's toad song. <laughs> it's really
2: good, isn't it? Mark, how can you not have written songs for 10 years? Well, because um, oh, I was like
4: 16 years ago, I went on medication for anxiety and depression after 13 years of drinking and drug-taking and really, everything, and then I stopped, right, and so then I had to deal with it. So I went on, and I'm not saying medication is responsible for stopping writing, and so now I've been starting to go off the medication, so I'm trying to get back into the writing. There's many things in life that are quite difficult, you know. The and and songwriting is, and you know, I'm 70 now, so I'm going, yeah. What am I angry about?
1: Yeah, I'm angry about my
0: chesticle,
4: my are hanging really low. You know, so it's like a different world now. And I, you know, and Brian will testify to that. You know, like Yeah, actually actually hang a bit low, but they're not that bad. They're fine. Yeah, but, I think but, you're being harsh on yourself there, mate. Yeah, I think you're look great. Yeah, You've never seen them, before, or have you? Hang on. Okay. <laughs> I don't even call them testicles. On this show, we call them lady pleasers. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the girls love the testicles, don't they, Ken?
2: Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah so know. Are
4: ask, testicles are to girls. It's a well known scientific fact, and you can't argue with the science. I think there might be a politician that would not argue with that. Um, <laughs> so, with so. your screaming thing, does that like mean that you'd your Pete your your drummer can drum from Melbourne and you can play in Sydney, or is it all no. set up? No, you can't. Yeah, you can't you do can't that do because that, yeah. of of lag, right? And internet uh, yeah. lag. Uh, okay. um, but you know, for instance, when Melinda and I re-recorded or did the parody of Run to Paradise, which was stuck in Paradise. It's very
1: good. Um, <laughs> uh, ah.
4: You know, we had uh, we had Pete Drummond uh, in Melbourne do it. Uh, Brett Williams you know, play the drums. Brett Williams played the guitar in Queensland. Ian uh, played the bass in Sydney course, I'm on the Central Coast and I reluctantly sang in the original key up at the Central Coast here. Um, and so, yeah, if, then you can do it, but it's all separate issues. Yeah. But live streaming, you actually have to be together to do it. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, I figured as much. The next one's going to be all... Choir Boy stuff, but we've been doing shows like that lately where we do all our, you know, stuff from the early days and, you yeah. know, all the Albert's recordings and everything like that. And so we're going to be doing that.
1: But you've got a lot of high singing in it, you know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> so um, can, people, can people give you money or do they pay to watch it or do they don't know they, pay. they to? That's a pretty novel novel. Uh, Approach to COVID. Nobody else has done that. Everybody else seems to have made an album that's coming out on vinyl. Well, we're doing that as well. Oh, good. And mm-hmm. this is with the toad on it, or is this other song?
1: <laughs> uh,
4: <laughs> the toad isn't finished. You know, well, I, I, I was, the anticipation for it is building. All you the know, people listening to think that's going to be a great song. I hope that's on the album, but it's toad, not.
1: Toad, don't you drop your load? Oh, on the toad,
4: toad—that's the middle eight. I like that a lot. I like and the, the, just the did, if you like it so much, I mean, you can sing it, sing it for me now because I know you have a great falsetto, Brian. I don't have a great falsetto. I'm really locking myself in. At a, See my mama walking down the road. That bit—that's a bit. Oh awesome. yeah, that me the best. Yeah, that all all me matters. the best. All Yeah, me. you can do the high stuff. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm too busy, you know, with the toad and the road.
2: <laughs> how, is, how is the voice, Mark? I mean, you have a celebrated, you know, you, you blew your throat up there in the, in the 80s. How is the voice of these yeah. days?
4: Oh, well, it's great, but, you know, it's like, Brian, I don't have a, a, the most spectacular falsetto anymore, and I used to have what I would classify. I can remember I was 14 in a shower.
1: Uh, hang on,
4: so hang on, Where, where's this going? <laughs> that? Hey, whoa, whoa. Uh, and I was singing. No, wait, wait, wait. the okay, okay. McCartney moment, right? And I go, yeah. and I was singing. right? And it's not a, it's not a Roll Paris moment, it's a Paul McCartney moment. Yeah. And I was <sighs> singing, and I went, "It's a really nice voice I have got there, you know." And then I sang some full stardom. That's a really good whatever that is that I was doing up there. And but now, it's not the same since I ruptured the vocal cords in '83, and uh, as a consequence. You know, I got to sing everything full voice. Ah! You know, so yeah. Just kidding. Just me. <laughs> just the guys across the road freaking out. Um, i mean, in COVID, you know, I'm I'm in lockdown here, you know. So, yeah, uh, I got to do everything full voice. Because you, you guys were doing, your chisel were breaking up, and you guys were doing the support, and then yep. you're, you blew your voice up. Yeah. And, and you couldn't do it. So then we got to do it. So in, indirectly, you, you got me a gig there. So thank you. No, that's all right. I was always here to help. You know, when I pull over, people tread on me and they, <laughs> they improve their situation. But it, it, it's funny what you learn because back then, um, you know, we were doing that tour and then I was having trouble with my voice because I was drinking, I was doing powdered milk and exercise and trying to build up my muscles and whatever. And that's dreadful for singers. And it was Stevie Wright that told me that. But then, right, I I went to the doctor and said, you know, i got sinus pain. She said, here, take this. Medication, which causes your vocal your blood vessels to the uh, the the walls of the blood vessels to thin, and of course the oh. one of the blood vessels on our left hand vocal cord burst. And oh. so it happened to me in the nineties as well. And oh. I sneezed, and uh, my voice went ooh, uh, you know. And then I went to the specialist. And said, "Yeah, yeah, you've done it again." Now, when oh, I went wow. to the first specialist, she said. You, gotta, you can't sing for – talk for three months, you can't sing for 12. When I went to the sex specialist 15 years later, he said, just take two weeks off, you'll be fine. I wish oh, I had I'd known that dear. in the first sense. Sounds like you've got some pretty dodgy medical advice <laughs> there along yeah. the way with the milk and the 12 months without singing. Are these people now involved with diagnosing the covid thing? Because, <laughs> I know, but they've been very helpful with the, the presentation of my testicles. Yes, <laughs> yes um, lady-pleasers, if you don't mind. The lady-pleasers. <laughs> oh, the lady-pleasers. Fortunately, you only have male listeners to this podcast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, well, now we do.
1: <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs>
2: For the last fifteen minutes. Yes, yes. <laughs> there were a few females at the start. They're gone now. No, they just they thinking about no <laughs> oh, ladies. No. Oh, That's what they're thinking. No. About. God, they're not. Anyway, so tell us about the new album.
4: What's what's going on? That <laughs> got a new album, which is you know basically a collection of choir boy songs, but we recorded those uh, live streaming. It's coming out on vinyl, and it's you know just really got a collection of the unusual Choir Boy songs that we probably haven't played for a while, and then we're just going to be doing all the old Choir stuff from uh, the Northern Beaches days and, you know, the early 80s, coming out of the 70s, you know, coming right. out the 70s into the 80s. You remember when punk was big, mate? Come on. Oh, I loved it. That's the yeah. got me into it.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah you
4: I put think. on a pair of white runners and a distortion pedal, and bang, you're in a punk band. It was great. <laughs> yeah. What was your first punk band called? Uncanny X-Men. We were a punk band when we started. We were you know, we just, I used to play guitar and play Ace All Night with, a, with an overdrive pedal, cup in the hand. So we went, <laughs> and and we, had some, we had some great songs like Bloody Dickhead, um, "Gutter Days, You're Just a Nazi at Heart.
1: Oh, we had some beauty. Oh, <laughs> come on i they love to record them. all of them. Yeah. You're gonna record them.
4: You're gonna record them. Come on, do it. Bloody Dickheads is a great song. It's fantastic. And yeah. I don't even sing it. Ronnie sings it, but it's it's one of my favourite X Men songs. I oh, guess okay, I was gonna why? ask you that too. But your, fa- your favourite choir boy songs? Not yes. the singles that you play all the time, but some obscure B side or track three on side two of some album. You go to an album called Dancing. From the grave of rock and roll, you know. Um and there's this song called Drops Like a Stone and I just I love that song. Like I listen to the vocal on that and I go, Hey, that guy's not bad. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> um <laughs> yes it was me. And I know it was surprising. And then there's a thing called uh Rendezvous, which I think is a a a great choir boy song, little known. But I think Drops Like a Stone is like an amazing song in terms of, you know, what we did, you know, back then. There was another song that I vaguely wrote about Kylie Minogue called Pharaohs, and that was on an album called Evolver. It was about if you were living in Sydney, right, and Kylie was living in Sydney, and it was some vague decade not the 60s or the 70s or the 80s but something was very trendy like that and you were having a a five-night stand with Kylie it was all, all about that you know and it's like a kind of I don't know why it doesn't really state that but that's what was going through my head when I was writing and I'm going yeah Kylie and me we're like hanging out and we we're, we're going to nightclubs and then you know you know, she, you know, there's a, a lyric line that goes, She's the Queen of Victoria, with reference to coffee in the morning, right?
1: She's right. the
4: Queen of AM, which was, you know, me and Kylie, we just wake up, right, after a pretty wild night of doing it. I don't know what. And then she goes, Ma, nah, I've got to have a Victoria coffee, you know? And so we go down and get one, you know? And, and yeah, that's kind of, it's weird, I know. I wrote yeah. a song. I wrote a song about Kylie. It was said, Kylie and Danny are little teasers, but they love my lady pleasers. Oh, Jesus. oh God, God, you just wrote that down in bars. <laughs> I could I couldn't write that quick. Oh, that's one I prepared years ago. <laughs> oh, freak. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie and Danny, they're little teasers, but they love my lady pleasers. Herein lies the problem: is that yeah. we used to listen to songs, right? And you you'd walk away from the radio, you know, wherever it was, and you'd you'd sing a song. And, you know, even now, I do go backwards and listen to the old stuff from whatever decade. You know, I go, listen to those lyrics. So, you know, the songs and, you know, the melodies and the vibe and the atmosphere. And then I try, and I do listen to modern stuff, but I'm having trouble because it doesn't seem to mean anything. Now, maybe I'm just old, right? But I even remember the Beatles crossed over, and I think even uh, Uncanny X-Men crossed over. What I mean by crossed over is that younger generation, old generation loved it, right? Yeah. Um, And even when my children, who are now in their 20s and 30s, were growing up, they were going, I don't like the new music, Daddy. You know, the music of the 60s and 70s is so much better. This is still an ongoing situation, that young generations uh, of people who love music go back in history to find good music. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you can find some really great music from the past. And I really, I actually like a lot of the old country and Western stuff, Um, you know. know, Not sort of the new country and Western, but the old stuff where they tell a story. That's one of the things I think kind of really got lost in music is that we used to tell stories. And, you know, and these days it's all, I used to go out with you, and I didn't respect you enough, so you're now with another guy. But if I had you back, I wish I'd loved you, and I love you, and you should have loved me, but I'm not. Ed Sheeran.
1: (laughs) Ed Sheeran. (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you. You
4: We hopped into a stolen car across the Jersey line, you know, do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah! I they like to have it. a story in there, you know. Banks of the Ohio is Olivia stabbing some bloke to Yeah, is- the story? <laughs> <laughs> Who would expect Olivia to pull out a knife and start butchering up to her boyfriend? <laughs> well, yeah, this is the banks of the Ohio. There it is. Yeah, you're, I mean you're right. I mean as much as it's humorous, and you are a very funny guy. And by the way, old country music is country and western. Okay. New country and Western music is country music, yeah. Brian. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But so it's like yeah. 80s pop with a cowboy hat to me, but anyway.
2: Yeah, it does. It does, actually. But um, Well, there's you, a new, there's a new one mean, called Americana now, boys, which is the latest it's genre. Not new. That's not new. That's been there since the 90s. Oh, yeah. Heaven. Yeah,
4: John Farris' album is Americana, and so is um, Brian Cad's new album. Yep. And, and have you listened to them? Yeah, yeah. Um, are they good? I like, particularly like um, the Brian Cadd song we played on the show a couple of weeks ago, um, Everyone's Leaving. And it's a great song, COVID, and it's a great song for a funeral. It's, really, <laughs> it's a really, really good song. And uh, John Farris' stuff was good too. Is it John Farris? No, Farris, no Andrew Farris. John, no, Andrew Farris, keyboard. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I've been listening to John Farris' triple album, which I love because <laughs> it's just, what I love about it, there's no guitars or music or singing, it's just, Three, six sides of drumming. And I tell you what, Mark, you have not lived until you've heard John Farris play Piano Man exclusively on the drum. It is fantastic. I'll die before I do that. Thank you. I mean, he got to die near off Daryl Summers, who did a great version of Guitar Man on the drum. They're all doing it now.
2: Hey yep. Mark, thanks so much for your time, mate. We yep. really appreciate it. We loved having a chat. It's been, uh, it's been fun,
4: and it has really been the time of my life. And I have to tell <laughs> you, my myself, my ego, and my my state of being and my testicles have really enjoyed this little <coughs> podcast. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> okay, and we've written half an album, so that's terrific. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We're stuck in paradise. Sunday, he's about to blow his cool because he's sick and tired of homeschool while we're stuck in paradise. Covid, COVID. we should be. Get some air. Keep walking. Don't no loiter anywhere. While we're stuck in paradise, let's try to stop this going out unless it's essential. Some are stealing down. Staying home is not what they're about. Come on. in paradise We're stuck in paradise We're stuck in paradise My bum's not white. How can you hold your head?
2: Days. All right, that uh, brings us to the end of another Life of Brian dot 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 Mannix that is podcast. Thanks to uh, Michael Chug uh, for his uh, enormous amount of time he gave us, and same to Mark Gable, who was terrific to catch up with both those two gentlemen. Uh, and we have plenty more in the pipeline coming soon on this yes, podcast. We do. Thanks to Murcotts. Brian Brown is going to join us to have a chat about a book he's written and about mm. uh, all sorts of yes. things, including working with Paul McCartney. Wow, and a cool. star. And And Ringo. Dave Gleason from the Screaming Jets is going to have a chat. Very funny fella. Good fella. Got a new album uh, on the way. Uh, Lisa Edwards, uh, Uh, one of of the great- Lisa Edwards. And
3: a great singer in her own right. Oh, absolutely. um, Also the godmother of my son. There you go. There you go. Didn't know that. She helped deliver both my kids. You didn't know- She helped deliver them? She was there for birth of my kids. Yeah, absolutely. Were you? No, I was in town having a beer. No, <laughs> yes. I was there. Of course I was
2: there. I know you were. Uh, and uh, we're going to meet the Wolf Brothers. Mm. are going to join us. Oh, they're good. They're really good. Uh, from yeah. Tassie, a uh, country band uh, sort of, or well, country-ish band out of, out of Tassie. And uh, a yep. bloke called Buddy Good's going to be on the program as well.
3: Oh, I, I love Buddy Good. And um, I think once people meet Buddy Good and hear a bit of Buddy Good, they're going to love him too.
2: I think you're right. Uh, his, uh, his real name is uh, Mike Carr, and he's going to join us uh, in coming episodes. So we'll get some good stuff on the way and plenty more other little surprises coming up too. So uh, lots to look forward to on the life of Brian. Brian...manix. That is podcast. Thanks to Mercot's Driving Excellence, 1300 555 Check out their website as well, mercotts.edu.au. Till the next time, Brian, look after yourself and be sensible. Okay, I'm going to look
3: after myself and be sensible and I might even have a shave today. I haven't had a Ooh, shave for a well, while. There you go. Yeah, I might have a close shave. Oh, lovely. With the law, perhaps. Yes. Get yes. your shit
2: together and off you go.
3: Okey dokey, <laughs> there we are.